What's up, everybody? It's LG Set here. Today is Monday, November 29th, 2021. Welcome to the First Mint, a podcast where I talk about marketplace trends, big sales, and everything going on in the world of NFTs. We have a nice guest with us today, Jeff Marsilio, one of the co-founders of Nifties, an interview that's part of our partnership with Nifties as part of their Matrix NFT avatar launch, which is tomorrow. That's right. We're going to chat today with Jeff about really like how NFTs are going to go mainstream and what all that is going to look like and how they are building that as part of the NFTs platform. He's got a fantastic background. He worked in the NBA for a long time. He's part of that original Top Shot deal, so we got a lot of stuff to hear from him. Also going to kick off the show with just a few thoughts on Fresh Threads, which is coming out today, the first non-common, I guess, common set or non-base common set of Series 3, as well as maybe a bit of a hot take on Series 1 reserve packs, which come out Tuesday. I want to remind everybody here that nothing on the show constitutes trading advice in any way that the show is not affiliated with the NBA Top Shot, the NBA, or Dapper Labs. I'm just a guy at his house who loves basketball and blockchain. Also is a huge fan of the Matrix. I used to do the scenes in my backyard. I've talked about this many times. It's true. Kind of wish I was Morpheus. This is the first mint. So by the time you're listening to this, maybe Fresh Threads has dropped, or maybe it hasn't. Either way, we're doing a Club Cold Brew, which now I deem club hot chocolate. It's freaking freezing out here. It's basically winter. I ain't got no time for cold brew. We'll be on at 11 uh, PST, or I guess we'll probably be on just a little bit before that. Reminder on those packs from Top Shot, they are $14. There's 130,000 of them, 11,000 of each mint, a nice variety of players, and 18 total in the set. Save the challenges, which are for Kemba, Carmelo, and Lonzo. Very likely that these challenges will actually be traditional challenges. It's a bit of a throwback, right? We haven't had that in a while. It's been all these kind of like funky showcase challenges, but looks like these, you know, the actual challenge ones might be back to our roots of the original challenges, meaning it's probably going to be like six per reward. So keep an eye out for that. Might be launching right after the drop, if not not long after it and this is a really exciting time if you're a kind of a long time or long term top shot holder because if you hold a legendary pack or a rare pack or a variety of other non common or common base packs like cool cats or seeing stars you are getting airdropped one of these packs for free that's right it's the first time we're seeing pack holders or set holders being rewarded in what is essentially like a dividend of holding that set so if, like if you've got a legendary set any legendary set you're getting five packs if you've got a rare set you are getting three packs of fresh threads for free this is the way that it should be this is something i think we've been waiting for we've been waiting to see top shot do this for a long time we talked all off season about strategy get what you like make sure you complete a set make sure you got the players you got the team sets all that kind of stuff this is finally the start of that the only real utility we've seen we've seen a lot of little tidbits but the only real utility we've seen from holding is an advanced queue position and maybe like an entry into like contests to fly across the country do whatever but this is like regular rewards this is what we want to see this like dividend style thing that comes to us to people that hold i think this is a preview of what's to come i'm not sure if we're going to be getting um packs for free for rare and legendary drops maybe i think we should definitely get packs for free if it's a set and we hold that previous season's set. So for example, when there are finally throwdowns series three, I think holders of series one and series two throwdowns should get handsomely rewarded. For future reference, and I do recommend if you can, finishing a rare set, I know it's 
listen, it's not inexpensive, okay? They are expensive, but it's gonna be a lot cheaper than finishing a legendary set. And if this structure is any indicator, a lot better bang for your buck because a legendary set only gets five packs, whereas a rare set gets three. The cheapest rare sets right now as of last night are WNBA Run It Back for $3,030. And then there were four of the conference final pack from series two, $3,577 and Rising Stars around $4,841. The cheapest legendary for comparison is Deck the Hoops at $73,000. So again, my recommendation, three grand, that's a lot for WNBA run it back set. But again, there are there will be more rare sets. There is more supply coming out. So, you know, the values on some of these rare sets is kind of dropping or maybe it's kind of propped back up in the last couple of days since its announcement. Either way, have a few sets complete is my, I guess, general recommendation, not advice, nothing here is advice, but have your team sets done, have your some type of themed set done as well. Tuesday, tomorrow, we have the Series 1 Reserve Packs, highly anticipated. Finally, people get to use their hundreds of trade tickets. I've actually been totally blown away by how many people have actually participated in this trade ticket mania, mainly because... I think that is that is incredibly premature to be trading in a bunch of these moments for it. Uh, a few different reasons. One, there's so many more 60K Series 3 kind of garbage moments to come. There's so many more. Like, I think we don't really realize how much base packs are about to be dumped on us like freaking crazy. And not just base packs, base moments. Don't forget, in Fresh Threads, there are three base moments per pack. That is, what is it, 390,000 base moments of series three are coming out just today uh through that so i think it's a little premature to be buying like two and three dollar and even four dollar moments in some cases just to get these trade tickets to try and get these series one reserve packs i'm not saying it's a bad idea like listen it's fun i always say participate in everything you can in top shot so paying like a thousand fifteen hundred bucks to get to 350 trade tickets for today that's fine if you did it good for you very good luck to you tomorrow i do think it's a little bit of a craze but again we're kind of bored you know we got a drop pack drop today but we want more we want like a constant daily drip of stuff to do on top shot so at the end of the day when top shot tells us to jump we jump the other thing i think we're not really thinking about too much is how many series one packs are held by og collectors that's right the series one moments the ones that are still to hit the marketplace are not just the ones that are in the top shot vault they're not just the ones being traded in for trade tickets here there are multiple OGs who have, and I'm not kidding, hundreds, hundreds of packs. It used to be a pack free-for-all. Like when I joined Top Shot in September last year, you just showed up and you could just buy packs as like for, for as much as you wanted. And, and they didn't even drop base packs until like November. And everyone was like, oh, base packs, who wants that crap? Because people mainly just wanted like premium and rare ones. When I joined, you could buy Throwdowns pack. You could buy hundreds of them if you want. And I guarantee you there are some collectors who have that. They have literally hundreds. And something that's gonna happen in the next couple months as these Series 1 trade ticket packs come out is very likely pack reselling will be enabled. I know I've been waiting for it. I personally, and I never divulge this number, I have 40 unopened packs, a lot of them series two, but 10 of them actually from series one, some premium drop and early adopter packs that I don't know if I'm gonna open myself. It'd be really fun to open and get, don't get me wrong. It's really hard to stare at them every day and not open them, but I'm very curious to test that market. So I guess the long-term projection here is Get excited if you want about Series 1 Reserve Packs. Have some fun. But be aware that over the next five or six months, without some kind of extreme added utility for Series 1 moments, that entire series 
might be in for a bit of a rough ride, especially the base stuff as it gets released in these reserve packs. Next up, you're going to hear my conversation with Jeff Marsilio, the co-founder of Nifties. We first spoke to Jeff and his co-founder, Jordan, way back, I think, in July or early August when Space Jam dropped on Nifties. That was purely organic. Uh, we had them on mainly because we just wanted to chat about you know, the, the very exciting drop, their very exciting platform. They have come a very long way since we announced this partnership last week in our newsletter. We've been very excited to work with Nifties. We've taken over their Discord. We've been running a bunch of fun games. If you're around tonight, we're actually doing a re-watching of The Matrix in the Discord with some prizes and some trivia with our very uh, our new and awesome colleague, Corporate Trash, helping us out, giving a huge helping hand, leading the community efforts there. So make sure you check that out. We'll also be on tomorrow, Twitter Spaces, to cover the drop. That's why we'll be hanging out, hopefully with the Nifties team, if not with some First Mint friends, to cover that drop. There are 100,000 of these NFTs up for grabs, and they're only 50 bucks each. So we're going to put out some explainers on how to buy, because if you want to buy some ETH, it's a little gone. Either way, I had a fantastic conversation last week with Jeff when I interviewed him. Really smart guy, and I'm really keen to see where they take Nifties, especially considering like it's like, hey, that's you know, that's some Warner Brothers property there, and Warner Brothers got a lot of other stuff in the vault. So who knows if it come down the line? They've got some exciting stuff in the hopper. So listen to my conversation with Jeff. Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like just so stoked for this launch. You know, you. I've been a I've been a huge fan of Matrix for a long. I literally, I'm not kidding, and I and I wrote this in the newsletter the other day. Just like I I, I used to like reenact the scenes in my backyard with friends. <laughs> I'm sure, very convincingly. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, people used to tell me I look like Agent Smith, you know, like from the first one. And you know, like when I'm clean shaven, I kind of have this like kind of like long face. And he played like the same guy Hugo Weaving played like Elrond and Lord of the Rings kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. I can um, kind of see it actually. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah, he did yeah. like the voice of like V for Vendetta. So he you know what I mean? Like it's like like he's kind of yeah. like this classic actor. So I take that as a compliment, even though he's like the evil guy in the first one. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Hugo right? Weaving. Hugo Weaving. That's uh, right. So Yeah, yeah I see. I it. All- well that, it's it's you know, that's kind of the cool thing about this this whole project, right? Is like mm-hmm. you you and me, we're not the only ones who feel that way about the Matrix. It's it's yes. like a, it's got, you know, decades of fans. It, for a lot of people, I think it's like the property that took this concept of the metaverse into the into the mainstream consciousness. You know, I remember like rewatching, and like Neo shows up. I mean, you know, Morpheus has pilled him, and he goes back into the Matrix, mm-hmm. and Morpheus is like, "This is your digital identity," or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's right. And I was thinking, man, in '99, were we talking about digital identity? I don't know if we <laughs> were really. I think this movie kind of kind of brought it out into the light. So it just feels like it's the kind of the perfect, the f- perfect property to do an NFT project with like this. Man, I remember that so well, because it was like, when you're in the matrix, the way you look is the way you see yourself. Right. right? It's the way you yeah. portray, your, it's like your, it's like your egotistical representation of yourself. <laughs> and exactly. I thought, dude, I was watching that as a teenager. I thought it was so funny. I was like, why is everybody's ego representation of themselves in like leather? Like, <laughs> I was like, wait, am I missing something here? Like I'm, I'm dressed in like West 49 t-shirts and like baggy jeans and stuff. Like where am I? Did I miss a memo about the black leather? In the real world, all that leather is sweaty, but in the matrix, <laughs> yeah. as much of that leather as you want. So everybody's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You wear as much leather as you want. You can wear and you can wear sunglasses that have no like ear 
hooks or whatever. Like Morpheus is like two. They, do, they, they, they like they defy gravity. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, people they, are standing <laughs> sunglasses just, are standing on those. Dude, he fights people in those. It's amazing. I, I don't understand, yeah. but but no, you're right. It is. It is. You know, and that's back. It, it's it's a good like timestamp of culture and internet, right? Um, right. Yeah. Because that's like dot com boom and. People are like, oh, one day you'll live in the internet. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, that's kind of crazy. And then Matrix comes along and they're like, oh, shit, maybe that's how it would be. <laughs> and now we're circling all the way back with you. And it's like, okay, like, you know, all these metaverses are on like the literally about to launch, right? Yeah. And you can. And we all identify ourselves with, well, maybe not a our, our deepest representation of ourselves, maybe just drawings maybe of things. Just, maybe just a funny cartoon of an animal. Yeah. But. but, but you know, it's true, yeah. but in a way, like, we kind of are living in the internet now, right? I mean, we're talking about the metaverse like it's this thing that's going to come, but we're spending a lot of our lives on the internet. We can now own stuff on the internet thanks to blockchain. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things, a lot of the features of what we understand the metaverse to be are, are, are true today. You don't have, like, uh, kind of a virtual space that we're all hanging out in, moving around, but I, I kind of wonder if that's if that even ought to be considered a, a requirement, a requirement of, of, of the metaverse or, or if the metaverse is really just more a state of mind, not to, not to mm. sound kind of happy about it, but I kind of think that it is. And I kind of think it does, it does bring us full circle to now have these NFT avatars, you know, which obviously um, there've been a, a bunch of great projects that have already come and to, to merge that with, the matrix where we were all talking about digital identity because of it 22 years ago, it just feels just kind of feels like poetic in a way. It does. It does make a lot of sense. And I would argue too, that whether you consider even the tools we have now, like discord, Twitter to be meta and metaverse, or if we have to wait for a, you know, totally immersive, I've got my character walking around or VR mm -hmm. or whatever. I'd argue that if at any point, when you are in the real world away from your screens, you are thinking about things that you do online mm -hmm. <laughs> that you are yearning for the digital world in some sense. So if yeah. you're walking down, the, walking down the street and you're like, man, I should really go and into Discord and say this to this person or something like <laughs> that, then you are thinking about the metaverse. You are thinking about the internet while you're yeah. in the real world and, and think about how much you want to be there right now. Yeah. Part of your brain is like always in the internet, whether you like it or not. Yes, exactly. If you think in, if you think have thoughts and you're like, Oh, I should tweet that. Then you are kind of partially living there. So, yeah. or it's, or it's, or it's, or it's living rent free in your brain. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jeff, uh, before we kind of get, I, I do want to talk extensively about, um, the matrix PFPs and, and this whole project. But I mean, we always start with the origin story on the first mint we want to know um, for you because you've got you know you've got a, a background that is also intertwined to many of our NFT fates. Um, how did you first, you know, kind of get into crypto? Like, what what were some of the you know kind of key moments for you entering this this world? Well, I was I was at the NBA for you know about seven or eight years, starting in around 2013. And uh, I guess it was 2017. So my, my job there, by the way, was basically to lead, you know, like the digital business, licensing of digital content and things like that, you know, social media partnerships, app distribution. One area that I was really, really active in was kind of the VR, AR stuff, you know, did, 
did some live broadcasts in virtual reality, did a, a partnership with Magic Leap, that kind of thing, emerging technologies. And uh, personally became interested in blockchain in 2017. And I, I think I first, I had like heard of it. You know how like you'll hear about something and you'll kind of dismiss it for a while. Like I had a, I had a really close friend who was, who was into to Bitcoin and Ethereum and things like that. And I just kind of, I never like gave it long enough of a thought for it to kind of stick, unfortunately, or, you know, I'd be loaded, I guess. But at some point I think it clicked. Like I, I think I remember I was like traveling home for some holiday in 2017 and reading about the upcoming fork of, of Bitcoin into, you know, with Bitcoin cash. And, you know, that was obviously, that was like one of the big stories of the late summer of 2017. And, and, I think I was just bored on the train and I was just reading about it and I got, I got kind of hooked on it and, and started personally investing in, in, in crypto projects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like a lot of people, um, did pretty well at the end of 2017. And then like a lot of people did really bad at the beginning of 2018. <laughs> but, but I, I just, I, I had come to understand well enough the technology and just kind of fall in love with the vision of the future that it represented. And so myself and some other like-minded people at the NBA got together and I, and, and we, and we created a blockchain working group. I was the, like the kind of the executive sponsor. I was senior vice president of new media. So I was, I kind of like, and I was on the, what was called the innovation council at, at the NBA. And, and we, we created this working group that I, um, that I helped to lead. Uh, and we identified five or six areas of the NBA business that we thought uh, blockchain could impact. And one of them was digital collectibles. And it wasn't necessarily even the one that I was like, in fact, I would say that really none of the six stood out to me as my favorite or the one that I thought this is the one that's going to change everything. If I had to pick one, looking back, I'd say I, I felt like a kind of what, what we now talk about as social tokens, but I was just thinking about as a loyalty program. Because we didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't have that, you know, that kind of lexicon at the time. Sorry, Jeff, thought, to interrupt you, to interrupt your stream yeah. of thought. It's funny you say that because I've said this so many times in the last couple of months. I was like, NFTs and social tokens specifically are going to birth the world's greatest loyalty programs. Loyalty yeah. programs on a level that won't even look like loyalty programs now. Right. And it's funny you were thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a kind of rudimentary way at the time. But I did not connect the dots with NFTs right off the bat. Um, we chose to start with NFTs because we thought it would be least disruptive to our existing business. Mm. Um, so we we kind of ran a process to identify a company to 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 to, to build that product with us, mm -hmm. and landed on a company called Dapper Labs. Of course, you guys all know what that is. And I guess I'll just to cut to the chase, they did a tremendous job, uh, as we all know, and created NBA Top Shot and. Uh, I got a front row seat to that really taking off, you know, so that was my, that was my experience kind of getting exposure to, to NFTs and, you know, sort of on a personal and professional level. Um, and I came to appreciate just kind of what an extraordinary opportunity. And I, over time, I came to understand what you just said, which is there's no reason NFTs and, and this idea of social tokens can't live together in harmony as a, the world's greatest community program or loyalty program, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it took, it took me a minute to kind of, for that to click. 
you cut to the chase really fast there. I was I was enjoying your story. <laughs> and then you're just like, and that's it. <laughs> and that's it, man. Uh, but, but, uh, no, I mean, the rest is sort of, the rest is well known. I mean, we, um, mm-hmm. we, uh, we watched it kind of gathering s- steam mm-hmm. um, before, before it had hit the mainstream, you know, mm-hmm. awareness, the top shot that is, mm-hmm. and started kind of putting more promotion behind it saying, oh man, we, we might, we might have something here. And then it went, uh, it kind of went ape when, when, um, when the NBA season, which had been on, on hold because of COVID, when it right. came back in yeah. like the ho- you know, in the holidays, like around Christmas, there was like a Christmas pack that mm-hmm. came out. Mm-hmm. And that, I th- that one felt like, okay, people are like, this is getting crazy. Like this is, you know, like now everybody's talking about this and this is getting kind of crazy. In the meantime, uh, you know, so we're, you know, now, now all of a sudden it's like the, the it's the talk of the hallways virtually, uh, at the NBA. Yeah. And I connected a, a friend of mine, uh, it, sort of a friend of a friend is, is this character, uh, OXB1, um, this was amazing investor, uh, and influencer on Twitter. Um, and, uh, OXB1 connected me with my co-founders, Jordan Lyle and Eric and Chris and, and John Siana and, and, uh, and we started Nifties. That's how we got started. That's great. Quite the leap, I'm sure. You'd been at the NBA in the middle, for so yeah. long. Yeah. Good for you. You know, that's that's a huge leap. But at the same time, it's like there's there's so much opportunity in this space, right? And personally, I made the leap, leap too. You know, I, I, not not the same as you, but it's just like you know, I started the first mint, and I was like, all right, let's see, let's see if we can catch something here. It's um, and we're our, it's always yeah. a leap. You know, whatever you're doing, um, you mm-hmm. start somewhere kind of comfortable and look, the MBA is an amazing place to work. I had kind of a dream job and I was definitely on the, you know, going in the right direction there. I had a, I had a bright future at the MBA. It just felt like kind of the, the, the right timing. You know, everything was, I'd been there, I'd been there for, you know, a, a good amount of time. I, I'd learned a ton and it just felt like the whole, this whole new version of the internet was going to be emerging. And I had an opportunity to, to partner with just some terrific, fantastic people to, to be part of that story. So I, uh, I took the leap, you know, we, we, I was living in New York cause I've been in New York for about 20 years. We came down to meet in Miami and we got, you know, OXB one got us a hacker house and we all, you know, we all hung out at this house for like 72 hours straight. And these are like really all, everybody in this group is like really well connected. And so we're like, we're like jamming on our ideas and then, and then, and then bouncing these ideas off of like big figures. You know, we like mm-hmm. had a zoom call with people about what we were thinking. You know, we got, we got on the phone with Mark Cuban who invested mm-hmm. and uh, just spent like this, this, this incredible weekend, just kind of hashing out what we wanted to be. And on Monday, you know, basically I think I was on Monday, I gave my notice. I was like, all right, this is it. And then two weeks later, two or three weeks later, we announced the company. <gasps> oh man. You know, so it, was really, it was fast. It was fast. Listen, <laughs> 70, listen, Jeff, 72 hours. That's cool. That's fast if we were in web two, but in web three, <laughs> NFT, 72 hours, man, that's yeah, like so much has happened in the last 72 hours, even right now. Even just now. <laughs> 15 minutes we've been on the call. Yeah. Like three market, new marketplaces have probably launched. Yeah. But it was, um, look, I mean, it was just like, it was like when it clicks, it clicks and and it kind of clicked. And for for me personally, it just felt like good timing. And so made the jump, you know, and and you just tried to keep up the momentum as much as we could um, from that, from that first few weeks. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, obviously reality kind of hits and, and you got to start building and it takes time and, you know, you gotta, you gotta do a lot of things all at once and make sure that everything is kind of lined up. So, uh, it's easy when you're just talking and jamming at, in a, in a, at a hacker house, it, it, it's a, uh, it's a whole nother matter when you're, uh, when you're actually building, but it's been fun. What, what did you guys have other ideas? Like, was there, if it wasn't Nifty's, the, you know, um, I guess like, like the NFT launch platform, right? I, I don't know if that's how you describe mm -hmm. it right now. Sorry if that's off, but if it wasn't Nifty's as we know it now, was there, was there a, a plan B? Was there something that it's like you guys had a vote and you're like, okay, we're going at this one. And the other one is the one that almost made it. Is there like a different company we'd be looking at now? In a way, the, I mean, in a way, the answer is um, going to sound like a cop out because I, I feel like the way we're building Nifty's, it can still go in, in so many directions and, and we can add uh, areas of emphasis or we could, you know, add new features that take us in, in new directions. So I, I don't, I, I kind of think we have not foreclosed too many of the possibilities that we talked about back in February and March. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have not only then, but even now, like every day, we're, we're, we are making decisions about where we're going to focus our resources and where we're going to, uh, you know, maybe take a step back. And we're doing that in real time all the time. You know, for, for example, when we started, we knew that, uh, that one of the things that was missing in the, in the NFT space was a home for people to be social around NFTs. And we didn't know exactly what that meant, but I will say that at the time, um, it, 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 it was more like a traditional social media company than what it looks like today and where I think we're going, you know, in the future. So, I, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's not that we've abandoned the idea of having a social platform that is, you know, engagement driven, but the kinds of features we think are most important for us to build to do that uh, have, have shifted over time. I, I would describe Nifty's as, as kind of a social marketplace. You know, it's a, it's a marketplace, a secondary marketplace. And we'll add more and more projects that you can trade on Nifty's over time. But it is also, as you said, a launch pad for large scale projects with uh, brand partners. So it's, uh, it's sort of in the sweet spot. I think of it as kind of occupying a sweet spot. If you imagine a spectrum, on one end, you have Dapper Labs creating these amazing white label you know, experiences for brands that um, are totally immersive and built from the ground up for the, the IP that they're building for. And on the other hand, you have OpenSea, which is uh, just a great place to do all this trading, um, not curated really, not custom. We're somewhere in the middle where uh, we can trade, um, but it's more curated. And we do brand partnerships, uh, but we don't have to build them from the ground up. We can launch them on a platform. So we're kind of somewhere in the middle there and we think it's a, we think it's a sweet spot in the marketplace. How did, how did those, how did that partnership start? Warner brothers. Can I yeah. ask? No, you can ask. I'm just trying to think it was, it was, a, you know, it was in a whirlwind. I think if I remember correctly, so we've got one of our, our first hire, our first employee is Shannon Kelly. She's now our chief commercial officer, head of partnerships. And if I, if I remember correctly, she had a pre-existing relationship with somebody at, at Warner. Mm. And, um, you know, we just, you know, when you're at a company like mine, you are kind of tapping your network, 
listening to how they're thinking about this space, NFT space, Web3, and seeing whether what you're doing might fit into their, their plans or whether you could you can maybe persuade them to, to, to do something together. Uh, so, you know, so we're always doing that. I think every company like mine is always is always out there having these kinds of conversations. And I think she, uh, you know, had one of those conversations with somebody she knew at, at Warner and um, they were, you know, they were pretty, pretty hip to NFTs and, and, and already thinking about it. And, and they had uh, they had a, a movie coming up, Space Jam, of course. Uh, and we, you know, we just kind of were aligned, you know, we, one of the things that we've observed about the, the NFT space is that, uh, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of people, uh, a lot of collectors are very focused on speculation around value. And that definitely has, it's a kind of a necessary ingredient for something entering the mainstream. You just, you have to have speculation. But there, there, there aren't a lot of companies who were putting engagement first. And I think that actually is still true. And so, you know, that story that Nifty's is really about engagement, that we can uh, do large scale projects that, that, that a lot of people can participate in. Uh, that really resonates with a lot of brands out there. And that really resonated with Warner Brothers, especially because they weren't thinking, how can we get a million dollars, make a million dollars off of Space Jam? You know, we're, they're, already, they're already thinking about the billions that they needed to make uh, off that project. Uh, really, just they're just thinking like, hey, we've got a huge community of fans out there. How do we engage them in new and exciting ways? And so our story around that was, you know, we can, we, we can, um, we can work with you to not just you know make a million bucks, but to you know hopefully activate a million people. So that's mm -hmm. that's kind of the that's kind of the value proposition when we talk to, to Warner Brothers and, and other and other partners. That's great. I love that that you know how to less so how to make millions of dollars, more so how to activate a million people. And I, and I think that's really great. You know, and I think again. You know, being somebody who's the first minute is kind of a little bit in that intersection of kind of new people coming into the space and that accessibility is so vital to make it something that people are going to understand a little bit of and also be excited to collect. I don't know. It's sort of the part of our, our, our ambition, you know, with the company is, is to help to take this whole thing mainstream. It's kind of like not enough, you know, to, to just do what everybody else is doing and appeal to the same small but passionate group of people you want to appeal to them too but i think it's better for all of us for the whole for the whole nft space if we figure out ways to bring more people into it and and so one one way to do that is to is to make it as easy as possible so that you know people who are not necessarily as fluent with things like metamask and, and other stuff like that um uh you know crypto cryptocurrency payments and things like that um so that they can participate Another thing is to uh, be engagement driven, as we've talked about, you know, um, different ways to earn NFTs or different things to do with them. Utility is a, is a popular word in the space. And then, of course, you know, to, 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 to bring them NFTs that are part of worlds that they already really care about. You know, people already really cared about Space Jam. People already really care about the Matrix. So it's, it's easier to convince somebody new to come into the space for something they already care about than, uh, than asking them to care about something that they never heard of before. How do you currently 
like describe what you do or the NFT <laughs> space? Like, and I mean, like, listen, it's Thanksgiving, the U.S. this week, right? And I don't know, are you going to see family or friends or whatever? It's going to assume you will see somebody that you know, but that yeah. maybe you haven't seen since a year ago, right? And let's say right. you know Jeff's Jeff's aunt is going to be like, Jeff, are you still how's <laughs> NBA going? And you're like, oh, yeah. and, and and then and then you're like, oh, actually, you know, we started this company and we drop NFTs now and we, we're creating a social marketplace. And she's like, <laughs> I don't understand what you said. How do you then, <laughs> yeah. what do you yeah. say? How do you do it? Yeah. You know, everybody's got their way. Everybody's got their method. What do you say? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It, it is challenging. And actually, at this point, most people I talk to, even my aunts and uncles, have heard of NFTs, but and actually, they 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 now I, I've noticed people who don't understand them will now kind of pretend to understand them. So it's like it's reached the <laughs> pretending to understand part of them, um, which is good. It's it's, it's progress, I think. Um, and so usually I, I ask for permission to to tell them how I understand it, because like rather than say, like, can I explain it to you? Because I, I I don't believe that you really do understand it. I usually will say mm -hmm. like. You know, can can I tell you why I think this is important? You know, that's that's what I usually do, and and and, and then I, I focus not on the technology but on the concept of ownership and how on the internet today, Web two, you don't really own anything, and and I think people intuitively they get that. You know, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't really that long ago. It was actually probably the days of the Matrix twenty twenty two years ago when we were all kind of like, if you remember, we were all kind of like outraged that you didn't own things on the internet, you know, like who are these companies coming along who like asking us to pay for books that we don't own or pay for, pay for music that we don't get to do what we want with it. Like it was, it was, it was not intuitive to us that you didn't own things on the internet, but 20, you know, plus years later, we've all gotten, I think, used to this idea. So used to it. In fact, that it's actually now hard to convince people that you could own something on the internet. And so usually I, I do kind of one of two things or, or both. I'll, I'll talk about, you know, Kindle and Spotify and, and you know, great services, but services where mm -hmm. you don't own uh, the assets. You could not uh, put them as part of an inheritance to your grandkids. You couldn't right. use them on a, on a different device. And I'll sometimes use the analogy. It's a little bit like if I bought a car from you, and you told me, well, here are the keys, but you've got to keep it parked in my garage and you've got to drive it only on the streets where I tell you you can drive it. Yeah. And so pe people get that. Like people understand, oh, yeah, I don't own things on the Internet. That that I get. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then you explain the reason for that is because the database that determines who owns what and what the rules are for that ownership is totally controlled by the seller. Um, and they're like, okay, yeah, that, that actually, that usually clicks. Um, and then I say, listen, blockchain is just, and this is a gross oversimplification. I realize that, but I basically say, you know, like blockchain is essentially, it's a, a database that nobody controls. So you can park, you can park your car in your own garage and you can drive it on, you know, whatever streets you want. Um, mm -hmm. and that, that, uh, often clicks. The other, the other thing that I will sometimes explain is, I, I do the same kind of thing, but I'll use the NBA as an example. And I'll say, listen, if, if I had with in web two, if I launched an app where you could buy a LeBron highlight for a thousand bucks or something like that, mm -hmm. um, you, you never would have bought it because you would have understood implicitly 
that someday the NBA might get bored of that app and shut it down, and then you wouldn't really own anything. But when you sh when a, when a when a publisher shuts down an app because they get bored of it or for whatever reason on the blockchain, you still have those assets. You still keep them. But honestly, I'll be honest, LG. Um, no matter how, no matter how I explain it, I don't think people ever really get it until they've tried it. I think you just have to get people to try it before they get it. And I think when we did the Space Jam, you know, in a, a project with Warner Brothers, a lot of people tried it for the first time. And I, and I so I, I have a, you know, this is not just a, a theory. I've seen it in practice with Top Shot. I've seen it. I've seen it here. It clicked. That's the only time it really clicks is like, oh, I get it. Like, I really have this thing, you know, like, mm -hmm. this is mine. And you can't take it away from me. That's when it really clicks. It's a good point because there's, there's, I find like there's just kind of two levels of it right now of understanding, right? One is like everything you described before of like, hey, like the ownership structure on the internet doesn't really actually exist until Web3. Like you don't own anything in Web2. And that resonates with people because people kind of hate Web2 right now. We're mad. Right? We're mad at misinformation. We're mad at Facebook. We're mad. I don't know if we're mad at Google, but it's a giant company. You know, we're, we're just not happy in general with the idea of there being these trillion dollar tech companies that kind of control our fates in different ways. And there's, you know, this repugnance to that. And the idea yeah. of being like, no, like you're, you get to create an asset and you own it. And, and Ethereum doesn't have a CEO. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a, it's just a chain where the, the users decide its fate. Mm -hmm. And you get into DAOs and people are like, okay, I kind of understand that a little bit more. And they understand the kind of like the philosophy of it. So there's that level where you explain that to people and they're like, okay, I can understand because I have some issues with the way we currently like govern things and how I own assets. So they get that. Yeah. So you can explain that to them and they'll kind of nod along. And then I think then you got to hit them with the, here's how you try, you know? And then you, <laughs> you, you, you get it. Like the stuff you describe is like, that's years away for now. Just go get your first NFT. You know, just here's just go just go get it, you know, and then you have it. And then you can look at it. And even like you're saying, people are at the nod along and, and pretend they understand phase. It's like that's perfect then to hit them with the here's how you get your first NFT. Just go just, yeah. just go and buy it. So it's just a couple bucks, right? And yeah. and they'll be like, then they can go be like, I have an NFT now. You know, and that's like I think a lot of people want that. They want to be like, I have an NFT. That's right. I got one. You know, it's kind of like that right now. Well, you know, um, one of the things that has surprised me, continues to surprise me, really, is that there is there is a portion of the public. I mean, mo most of the public doesn't really care one way or the other. But there there is kind of a large group, and you saw this with the Discord um, dust up. There's a large group of people who kind of virulently hate NFTs and are really, really turned off by the concept. I mean, really bad. Um, and like you read sometimes the comments and we'll, you know, occasionally in our, in our posts, we'll get comments that are, that are like this. And I mean, it's almost like, where, where do they, I, I, I like, I'm like, where do they get this passion? Like, where, where do I find this passion in my life? <laughs> like, where, how do, how do I get this passionate about something? Um, but really they, they are, there are people out there who really, really hate it. Um, yeah. And, and kind of, I think, misunderstand it. Um, but you know, you can't, you're, you're not, those are not the first people to go after to try to change minds. Um, it's the curious people. And then eventually the Luddites, come along for the ride eventually. Uh, but, but it's out there and I think it's, it's important 
to be aware of that those their objections. Not to say that they're necessarily justified, but they have objections. And uh, if we're realistically, if we're going to grow the space like we all want to grow it, we have to at least be be aware of those objections and uh, and kind of I think whether you don't have to engage with every troll, but kind of engage with them at, at a higher level yeah. uh, to make sure that those objections are are confronted. People hated like debit cards at first. Like people hated bank machines. I hated like thirty years I remember, ago. I remember, so, so let's go back to let's 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 time travel to nineteen ninety nine. Matrix okay. was out. Um, I thought it was so so douchey to have a cell phone at that time. I remember, <laughs> I remember very clearly. I just I like I just studied abroad and I came back and I'm like, wait, I'm like my friends now have cell phones. What are you guys like doing drugs? Yeah. What do you? Why do you think you're so important? <laughs> that you need to be called no matter where you are, you know, like it took me a, a minute. Like I got, I got it. Obviously I got a, I got a, a phone, but I remember thinking like, this is a very douchey technology. So it's, it's, it, it happens to, it happens to all of us, or at least it happened to me. So I can kind of, I can kind of get, I was never, you know, but I, at the time, you know, social media was still pretty new. I wasn't um, like on Friendster complaining about cell phones or anything, but, but, but I was privately stewing, like, why are all these idiots walking around with a phone? Uh, to their mm -hmm. ear, you know, outside. Um, but nonetheless, right? Like even even still, you kind of have to, uh, I think, especially now where people are so vocal and have this platform, you have to be aware. And, and one of the big things that people uh, have uh, an opinion about is the environmental impact of NFTs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so we 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 are into we are we we mint our NFTs on Palm, which is mm -hmm. a, an environmentally friendly blockchain. But you kind of have to get out ahead of that if you want your project um, to, to be successful with the mainstream. If you want to work with brands, you have to be out ahead of that issue because it's um, it's real. It's real. It's real. And it's out there and people are, are really passionate about it. Well, yeah. And it's and, it, and it's vital. And I find that it's yeah, I, I'm very curious. I mean, I don't want to turn this into talk about the environmental side. But it's something I, I think about a lot. Obviously, somebody who you know talks about NFTs and blockchain all day and, and tries to onboard people, and it's, it's a question I get a lot as well. And there's a lot of pro and con arguments there, but I do think, yeah. long term, I do think that blockchain overall can help us better mobilize as a society. So, right. in terms of you know maybe yes, Ethereum is, is cranking out these servers, especially while it's still proof of work and not proof of stake. Like yes, that's happening. But at the same time, I'm like, but. Perhaps there's a long-term way there where if it's helping, like, listen, Jeff, like you and, you and I have met in person for like three minutes, like at a, at a party in New York, you know, but yeah. otherwise we know each other digitally. And I'm like, well, I don't have to travel to see Jeff and interview him. And that's a small glimpse of like later, like, listen, you have DAOs and communities mobilizing, raising capital, making a difference in what they do without ever having to go anywhere. And, you know, that there's, yeah. there's a bigger picture there that it's like, hey, how do we coordinate the entire world and everybody on every level to help, you know, uh, combat climate change? And perhaps there's, the, there's a mobilization answer in the way, the way we mobilize in blockchain. Right. I, so there's kind of, there's a lot of prongs there. Um, totally, that's, kind of, that's kind of my approach absolutely. to it as well. Absolutely. You know? and, I, and I'm not, um, I'm not coming at this with a pitchfork. By any means, um, <laughs> but but but, think you were. but but look, you know, there's a yeah. So there's a cost benefit analysis. Yes, and and then part of that analysis are there alternatives mm -hmm. for what you're doing? Like, do you have to, 
you know, use a chain that's proof of work and, and expends electricity for its security. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not even really here to answer that question, but no. I will say that yeah. I, I, I will say though, that no matter what, like, and I found this to be true. Like we, you know, we, we, uh, Palm, the folks at Palm have done a study and they, they found that like minting an NFT on Palm is the equivalent of like toasting a slice of bread hmm. or sending an email. It's a good, it's, but it's a good visual. Mm-hmm. But there's no amount of uh, there's no amount of of like environmental impact, no matter how negligible, that is justifiable to people who are against NFTs. If you don't also convince them that what you're doing ma- matters and has value, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so and like and so then you hear like the the the, the kind of right click savers, um, you know, talk about how it's just JPEGs and things like that. So there's definitely uh, on both sides of the cost benefit analysis work to be done to convert those folks. In the meantime, though, you've got, I think most people are, are sitting kind of on the fence mm-hmm. and they, uh, they, they're left out. They're curious, they're interested, but they're left out by how complicated and intimidating it often feels to engage with it. And they're left out because there aren't projects that they already care about. You know, um, obviously for an NBA fan, NBA Top Shot was a big moment. They already cared about the NBA. It wasn't a huge leap. And, and I think Top Shot was was pretty easy to understand. It wasn't a huge leap to 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 think that NFTs might be valuable for those fans. And I think that's going to be the case for, for Matrix fans as well. Let's talk about the Matrix. This is what we're here to talk about. This has been a great chat, <laughs> but we, we want to yeah. know, Jeff, let's go, man. These things, by the time people are listening to this, they're dropping tomorrow. Give us the thing, man. So with these these Matrix avatars, they're dropping. Yeah. We're grabbing them on NFTs. Tomorrow. Yeah. There's a hundred thousand. Right. A hundred thousand of them. So let's talk about let's talk about this whole project. Let's let me start from the top. Um, Please. I think your audience will all be deeply familiar with NFT avatar projects, PFPs. Um it's it's the biggest and I think the fastest growing part of the NFT space. The other thing is, you know, and this is kind of goes to our ethos. We want to give fans an opportunity to participate. We don't want this to be inaccessible right from the jump. You know, we don't want it to be like, I don't want there to be diehard Matrix fans who are really excited when they hear about this, but then who get turned off because they can't afford it. You know, so this project will be $50 per avatar and um, there are no transaction fees. We cover the transaction fees. So there's no gas. Um, so it is much, much more accessible than the typical PFP project from the start. So that's that's kind of how we, we approached it. Now, the way it's going to roll out is, uh, is, is pretty interesting and it's kind of a, it, it kind of has a funny story behind it. But essentially, um, when you tomorrow, <laughs> November 30, when you purchase a matrix avatar, you're getting what we call a base avatar. It is, uh, it, it's like Neo before he realized he was in the matrix. Uh, you know, kind of like regular, regular looking people who are dressed like maybe office workers or workers. And so there are a hundred thousand of these people, every one of them unique. But they're wearing shirt and tie. They've got glasses. You know, they've got kind of normie haircuts. They're they're regular people. And then two weeks later, we are giving everybody a choice. You can take the blue pill and lock this avatar into the matrix, 
or you can take the red pill and be freed from the matrix and join the resistance fight uh, like Neo and Morpheus and, and Trinity in the film. And if you do that, your avatar is totally transformed. Uh, you know, back to what you said about there's a lot of leather. <laughs> there's a lot of leather. There's a lot of weapons. There's a lot of really cool hairstyles and hair colors and just a lot of really, really badass attributes that combine to make these really, really cool looking uh, avatars. And the last, last quick note uh, is we built all of this with the metahuman creator uh, from Epic Games. So th these are built with like triple A video game quality computer graphics. If you took a quick look at one of these, uh, you would think it was a real person. It's, it's, it's hyper-realistic. In fact, if you zoomed in, you'll see freckles and individual hairs on, on every single avatar, every one of which is unique. So it is, uh, it's, the, it's the largest scale of these kinds of projects. It's, it's the first for a major IP to enter the space. And it is, I think, it's the highest production value of any of these uh, avatars today. You're very good at this part. <laughs> <laughs> That's so concise, man. I really appreciate that. That is, that is good. And, and I agree with you, the accessibility, right? We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Giving an accessible price point, making it easy for people to do. Don't worry about gas fees. Like, just easy to sign up and just grab one or two or whatever. Plug in a MetaMask, but you don't have to. You know, I, uh, I, a lot of, hopefully a lot of your users will be familiar with, with nifties.com. But yeah. when you sign up for nifties, you just need an email address and, it, and we give you a, a non-custodial wallet. So it's a real wallet. You can export the keys later if you want, but you don't have to manage the keys. They're in an encrypted server. So um, it's, it's a, it benefits from that decentralization like we were talking about earlier. Um, but it's easy. It's easy and it's fast. You know, you just email, boom. You're in, you've got a wallet, you use your credit card. We don't save any of your data other than your email address. And uh, and you can be really within seconds, you can buy your first NFT on Nifty's. Is the uh, is the marketplace going to be active through the drop and, and as soon as we get these? The secondary marketplace is open from day one. Yeah. Um, okay. So you can trade them. Uh, one of the things that I'm super interested to see is, uh, you know, you won't really know what your characters w might look like, especially if you took the red pill uh, two weeks later. So you're trading a little bit blind, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you know, before the red pill, blue pill choice, you've got a base avatar that could become anything. I mean, it might be ultra, ultra rare, you know? Like, we've got, we've got some characteristics that are super, super rare, that, uh, and you don't know, man, you just write, like, you've got like an office worker, you know, you don't know if like, when you take the red pill, is this going to be one of the ones that's going to have like head to toe white snake skin with like, you know, a golden sword or something like that. You know what I mean? You don't know, like you, you won't know until you take the, to actually take the leap, which is just kind of like, I don't know. It's cool. It just, I, to me, it plays into the themes of choice that are in the films and uh, makes this immersive from day one, but also kind of makes it like, uh, risky is not the word, but like uncertain, you know, in a, in a kind of a fun mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. No, I'm asking about the marketplace too, because I, I do find, again, for new users, new people new to NFTs, um, it's not necessarily that it, it's, it's healthy for them to uh, get a valuable one and flip it, but the 
ability to do that. The freedom. I think is, yes. Yeah. That they can, they buy it and then they have it. And then someone's like, hey, you got a really rare one. And look, somebody just sold one similar for X amount of money. I think is really such a click for people, right? Yeah. To be like, oh, wow. And I could just do it like that. And they're like, yes, like you could just sell it right now. And that's there's the fluidity of that is something that's that's very quite unique to NFTs. Really, it's 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 really it's like the purest distillation of this concept. You know, you and I were talking about earlier that that mm -hmm. NFTs represent ownership on the internet. Yes. So uh, yeah, immediate immediate ownership. Totally, totally. Right. Like you can't like it's hard to it's hard to buy a car from you know from Craigslist and then like sell it yeah. three minutes later. Yeah, ownership, ownership <laughs> and liquidity. Ownership and liquidity. Yes. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, I've got- There's I'm few a few assets in the world. No, you know, no, like no, that. absolutely. I mean, look, I, I, I collect basketball cards a little bit. And, um, mm. you know, cool. going back before, before NFTs for me. And, um, you know, like it's pretty, for, for certain cards, it can be pretty liquid if it's like a, like a, you know, prism, base card or whatever. Um, you can, you can flip it on, on eBay if you want, but it's a, it's a hassle. It takes time. You know, um, there, there, there's all kinds of like hidden costs, like, 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 uh, postage and things like that and packaging. Like there's just, it's, it's not simple or particularly liquid, even for the most liquid of those kinds of, of, of assets. With NFTs, liquidity is, um, is like intrinsic. And, you know, so on our platform, when we first launched Space Jam, we, we asked people to wait a couple of weeks before we launched the marketplace. Um, this time with Matrix, the marketplace is ready from day one. If you, if I gave you the red pill right now <laughs> and we went into the Matrix or we went, or sorry, we were liberated, I guess, from the Matrix. And then you wake up and you're on this, you know, <laughs> crummy ship with me. And that's, that's, <laughs> and that's, like, that's like the paradox of the movies, right? Like you take it. Reality yeah, like, sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I give you, I feed you the gruel, and then I'm like, okay, okay, let's go like learn some kung fu, whatever. When we go into the matrix, what do you look like? What is your self representation? I'm a I'm a tall giraffe. I'm, a, I'm from the tall giraffe society. Um, is that? I'm sorry, forgive me. Is that a real project, or was that just a joke? No, no, that's that's like a joke I made up once that now I, I use as the good. base, like like parody. PFP project of something that one day will, you know, it's funny, your younger, audience, you know, was, your younger audience yeah. probably won't remember Jeffrey, the giraffe, but like, I think that was accidental, but it actually oh. works, man. It fits, mm -hmm. you know, look, I'm bringing them back. I, I want to, um, you know, before we, before we leave the, the matrix completely, I just want to talk about one, one other aspect of it because you, you brought it, you just brought it up. You just mentioned, um, how oh. Neo went to loot to, to learn Kung Fu. That's going to be part of, that's going to be part of this oh. uh, project. You know, um, you're, you're going to not just take the red pill, but there will be ongoing missions and you'll earn what we call, what is called in the movie and therefore we call skill programs. And those will move you Damn. up and down the leaderboards and there'll be different leaderboards. And then based on where you are on the leaderboards, whenever we take the snapshot, you'll earn different rewards. And those rewards could be real life rewards. Mm -hmm. They could be, NFT rewards. There will be one of one NFTs that are really, really special that you could earn if you're at the top of the leaderboard. So um, there's like, there's an ongoing, you know, hopefully that lasts years and years, um, but certainly at least a multi-year program 
to, uh, to, to provide engagement and benefits and utility for these avatars, you know, so it's not just like, it's not just a collectible, it's a, it's a community and it's, and it's kind of like a lightweight game, uh, that starts, that's, that starts now, but, but really picks up steam in 2022. So I'm going to get to for real say that I know Kung Fu. That will be, that will, that will not really be technically true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but your but your avatar. my matrix avatar knows kung fu your how about that can i say kung that fu. absolutely <laughs> that's great thank you for that that's that's actually i was going to ask you about like future utilities yeah. so that's actually that's perfect um okay jeff we do have to wrap this up yeah. but there's there's a portion that ha- there's something that happens at the end of every show oh. that we have to do with is you. this a trivia thing again? is it what tri- last time you 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 you, you guys uh no, 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 no. That's that's a that's a Phil D special. This trivia is <laughs> okay. his game. My my game is is Would You Rather. Oh no! So I give you two questions, oh. two options, and you pick. Oh, okay, okay. And they're they, they get kind of twisted sometimes. Oh, don't do that. Okay, let's, go. let's rock. I'm gonna give you a really easy one. I'll give you a really no, easy no, one. No, no. I, 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 we start. We start off yeah. warm. We warm up. Okay. Would you Would you rather that tomorrow, um, right. You wake up and you're a movie character. <laughs> In the space in Space Jam or the Matrix, and do I get to pick my character, or is it just like it's kind of a crapshoot? No, it's randomized. But you're going to be one of the people. Like you could, if it's Space Jam, you you could be LeBron or you know uh, I forget what Don Cheadle's character was. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad yeah. guy, or or any of the other like you're like Bugs Bunny or someone like that. And, and, but if you pick Matrix, you you could be you know anybody from any of the movies. Oh man, I could, I could get like shot. You could, you could be one of the twins. You could be one of the twins with the dreads from from the yeah. second and third. It's a tough movies. one because like the the sort of the downside in the in Space Jam isn't as bad as the downside in, in the Matrix. But even <laughs> even for the bad guys and even for the extras in the Matrix, they're really cool, man. They're really really cool. So I'm gonna pick the Matrix. That just feels like more me. Matrix. Yeah. Would you rather learn to be a master kung fu <laughs> fighter? Uh-huh. I don't know. Or a master Black Hawk helicopter flyer pilot? Oh, wow. Cool. I would rather, I'd rather know kung fu for sure. Yeah. And then I think I'd feel like Great. I could go anywhere, you know, and, and feel, feel safe. Like Black Hawk helicopter, that is, that is, dope but i just wouldn't get that many opportunities to really put that into practice but kung fu i would carry it with me everywhere i went you know even in the grocery store i feel like you know if i was reaching for that last box of cereal at the same time as somebody else (laughs) i feel like if this if this went sideways i could handle myself you know what i mean i feel like kung fu's dude did you you used to write cereal (laughs) just sounds like somebody Who's like a copywriter at an ad agency? Yeah. Be like, get this: you're walking through a cereal aisle, and somebody reaches for your corn pops, <laughs> and you know kung fu, and you've reached for it first. <laughs> that's yeah, like. that's it, man. <clears throat> okay, okay, last one. You get to go into the matrix. It turns out you are the one. You can fly. You save everybody, mm-hmm. but your default outfit that you can't change is terrible. <laughs> And it, while you're fighting agents and you're flying, you're flying around. Every couple minutes, you kind of just look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, "I hate what I'm right. wearing." Like, am I wearing your top or, or something? Like, what's whatever the worst okay. thing is, the most be, embarrassing thing is for you in the world. It's itchy. Uh, it's strange. It's tight in spots. It shouldn't be tight. Like, whatever, whatever yeah. that is for you. Or, or and your haircut's <laughs> terrible too. 
Um, <laughs> or or <laughs> you followed your uh, younger frustrations from your younger years, your frustrations from uh-huh. your younger years, and you never got a cell phone and you still don't have one. Um, this this, this just feels like a this, of this like, is the option. How vain am I? Am I like so vain <laughs> that I'd rather just live as a social outcast <laughs> than have ugly clothes? Um, I feel like I would totally, without a hesitation, pick being a superhero because if you're that badass, you can own whatever you're wearing. I don't think Superman's outfit is, is like intrinsically cool, right? Like he's wearing tights, you know, he's got a, he's got a red cape, but he rock He knows how to like make it work because he is, uh, he's a badass. So I, I'd say, I don't think there's any, any clothes that I couldn't make work if I was, if I was the one in the major making. Wow. Dude, see, you're good at that. You're the kind of person who's really good <laughs> at this game because you you know how to like negotiate options, okay. right? You're really good at being given options. You're like, well, if I if I choose this, then that would actually mean that I could do these things, right? It's like you're really good at I'm seeing possibilities. So I'm just an optimist. Yeah. You're an optimist. Got to be an optimist to be a, a CEO of a company. Ugly, see, uh, uh, poorly dressed no superhero. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yes, yeah, you have it. to be an optimist. Yeah, yeah, with a terrible haircut. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think we've all been that terrible dressed uh, person with the terrible haircut. And we made it through, you know, so. Pretty much, you know where I'm that terribly dressed person? Whatever I was wearing when I went to see the movie <laughs> I am sure, I'm would sure. probably be the most embarrassing thing <laughs> to wear wearing, around like, right now. I was now. probably wearing hand-me-down, stonewashed jeans, you know, that I got. Did you ever have mod robes? Mod. Do you know what mod robes are? Does anybody know that? Okay, I don't know. Maybe it was only in Canada, but mod robes were these like imagine like what people wore as pants to raves in like the late nineties, <laughs> like giant yeah, orange yeah, pants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? And a little buckle yeah, for yeah, like yeah, the yeah, belt, yeah, yeah. and it was um, totally. And look, yeah, like you carry on glow, sti- glow sticks with you, like, kind um, of thing, in a tight shirt. You're like a. It's like you're about to get into like the the Walker and Alien, right? Like you're in like a like like you just yes. you, just, you only got halfway. In your- exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's, it's horrific, and it was like a, it was like a it was like an abrasion to the to the. And you to had to like pants, have bleach, you know? you had bleached no. your hair blonde, and yeah, I, I remember. You glow have, sticks, and they give you glow, glow sticks, sticks when you buy them for sure. Yeah, no, I was That's never, yeah. I was never that gravy. I was never gravy enough for uh, orange pants. It <laughs> was not. Me. Uh, Jeff, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank, Thank you so much for taking the show. time. I appreciate it. That is going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you again for listening. And again, thank you to you guys, our wonderful community, our wonderful listeners. Without you, these types of partnerships would not be possible. So thank you again. If you want some more of the First Mint, we're on Spaces today, we're on Spaces tomorrow, and we're back Wednesday with another podcast. So we'll see you guys next time on the First Mint.